0: Slowly inflame my fantasy And open another chapter Moment of the it came. Somewhere waiting for a sign That show me I'm a
1: show. Welcome back to The Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris back with you for another one. This week we go to Italy, 1996 and one of the most unique albums that we've ever covered on the podcast. But before we get there, Chris, my friend, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, this was
0: definitely a uh, another one of those uh, nostalgia albums, so uh, it should be fun to talk about.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I have a lot of thoughts, really interesting stuff. But before we get there, or before we get to any of the uh, new music that we've been listening to, we've got some news to break. You want to uh, tell everyone a little bit about it?
0: Yeah, we've. Uh, I think we've hinted at it um for a while now but uh we are officially launching a patreon um some of you probably uh some of you know more about it than others uh so far but uh this is going to be our official announcement of it um it's going to launch uh on april 3rd to coincide with that that month's uh first episode of the month uh that's a monday And uh, we're really excited about uh, providing some exclusive content that um, may not be, uh, you know, available at all or right away uh, if you're just uh, listening for free. Um, One of the things we've talked about was changing the request um, process to a subscriber only situation um and that's kind of how things are going to go going forward i'm not sure we haven't talked about how we're going to handle the first uh
1: episode in april at least i don't think we have um yeah i think we'll probably take one of the requests that was kind of in the queue and there's a bunch of them but starting in may it'll be kind of uh Patreon only requests. So you gotta kinda have to be a member to, to make requests going forward and we'll we'll do them on a monthly basis or more frequently um as the requests come in. But we're just kind of changing it up a little bit. There's gonna be probably four different tiers. We'll we'll get into more detail as we get closer to April 3rd. But there'll be uh you know some bonus content like uh priority requests like we said, uh additional podcasts that you can only hear on the feed. And then, um, you know, some some monthly chats with us, uh, live chats, which I think will be interesting for some folks as well. So we'll get we'll give you more details as we get closer. But we do want to officially announce that we are going live with this in a few weeks, and we would invite you to join. And we obviously appreciate all of your support. It will not prevent you from listening free. You can still listen free to the podcast if that's uh, what you so choose. But it is a little something extra for those that want to contribute.
0: Yes. Um, also, we. Uh, We're not 100% (laughs) uh, knowing of of how Spotify has been handling the ad situation. So depending on which um, platform you're listening on, there may be ads. Um, I I don't know. Um, But our goal, and we haven't finalized this yet, but our goal is that um, all, I think, all of the... um, the three, the top three, or the uh, the, the three the three higher tiers um, will include a feed that is completely ad free. Um, that's and early point. access. Yes, and that's the other thing. Um, we will be giving the uh, subscribers access to the episodes as soon as they're uh, finished being edited, so you won't have to wait until Monday morning to hear the episode you can get it because uh, sometimes we record uh, several days in advance sometimes uh, depending on like travel plans and things like that they could even be released a week or two in advance so that's going to be a small perk as well and like uh, Justin mentioned you know we'll we're going to do um, a, a monthly bonus episode that may not have anything to do with uh, metal or music at all it might just be us uh, just BSing about uh, what we've been watching on TV or uh, movies we've seen, or you know what's going on in sports. Uh, it's just going to be kind of like a uh, a free for all, if you will, of, of discussion, which is kind of how me and Justin talk to each other outside of this podcast, anyway. So I don't think it'll be uh, all that different from a normal conversation that we would typically have. Um, and uh, I also urge. Um, all, all of you, whether you plan on subscribing or not, to uh, jump into the Metal Exchanges Facebook group and uh, make some suggestions. If there's anything you think would be uh, worthwhile to you to be included in this Patreon situation, uh, we are all ears and we're you know looking for uh, any sort of feedback. So that's the plan. Um, more information to come. But, uh, like we said, April 3rd is going to be our, our launch date for that. So, um, even if you just want to, you know, give us a dollar a month uh, just to be, just to throw us a buck and, and say, Hey, we support you. Like that's plenty. That's plenty. Uh, that, that's really, that means the world to us. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this a long time. So we thought, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe we could put a couple of, a couple of bucks in our, in our pocket while we, We, uh, you know, churn out these, these episodes and, uh, we, we appreciate anything anybody wants to to give, but we, we want to make sure that you get your, your money's worth as well. So please, uh, please feel free to send over any suggestions you may have. I think that if we let everybody kind of chime in, we might come up with some really cool ideas that maybe we haven't, uh, considered.
1: Yeah, and that Facebook group for uh, kind of the group chat, if you will. It's facebook.com slash groups slash Metal Exchanges. That's where we're at. So join the conversation. Just uh, pop in and say hello. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, and speaking of things you're hearing, what what have you heard this week that kind of caught your ear?
0: Uh, three albums I listened to uh, repeatedly that all came out last Friday. And uh, those, so I'll, I'll start with um, – uh, let's see. I will start with. I my list is all out of uh, all out of order. Um, I'll start with um, a progressive metal band, Ice Age, who um, are back from a sabbatical. They're actually from uh, Long Island, uh, so that kind of hits close to home. Uh, they just released a new album, Waves of Loss and Power, and. I'll be totally honest with you. Like, I don't know that this would have been on my radar, and if I ever would have listened to it, had they not been announced as uh, playing at Prague Power this year. Uh, I believe they're the opening band on day one. Um, and so, curiosity got the best of me, and and I went on to uh, Bandcamp and I bought the the first track from this album called "The Needle's Eye." Uh, few weeks ago maybe even a couple of months ago and i really dug it um it was really like it has this kind of throwback to like to like mid 90s like magna carta yeah. prog metal um that i really just jived with and i ended up listening to the whole album several times and i really liked it i i wow. i'm going to i'm going to catch hell for this but I thought it, I liked it better than the new Haken album. Uh, I, I, wow. I, really, I, I, it was easier for me to get into. I mean, the production wasn't as good. It wasn't as technically sound, but I just thought it, it was, it was, there were catchier songs and it just kind of sucked me in. And, and it, there's like three songs that are over 10 minutes long. It's not my usual cup of cup tea, of but tea. I, I enjoyed the hell out of this. I thought it was really good.
1: I, I listened to it twice myself. I don't know that I loved it as much as you did, but I did think that the last track in particular was phenomenal. And there was something about, like, it ends really, really strong. Uh, I will definitely keep it in the rotation for a bit just to see how it ages. But um, really, like I said, that that last track, I mean, I would put that up against just about anything I've heard all year. Uh, the, The first seven tracks didn't catch me quite as much as that one. But I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I I, uh, I I definitely spent some time with the Haken, and that's been growing on me. So it's I kind of have the opposite uh, view, but I can understand why you I can understand why you like it. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to the Haken because I just feel like
0: I'm like mad at myself for not liking it more. Um, I don't well, it's know not, why it's, it's not
1: that accessible. It's like it's, it's good.
0: We're going to me wrong, I enjoy anything that they do, but it just isn't get. I, I can't get over the hump with it, so I'll keep trying. Um, there's a tune on this ice age album called all my years. It's one of the short, shorter songs in the album. And it's like Prague pop. It's such a good tune. Like I could totally hear this being on the radio. Um, really cool tune kind of reminds me of like, uh, uh, I guess the, the band that, that I think of is, um, uh, why am I, I always for, Oh, Spock's beard. Kind of that just really kind of accessible kind of prog rock slash metal. Um, hmm just just good stuff. Um then the other uh two albums I listened to were both on the power metal side. Um one was uh, uh Frozen Crown, uh their new album Call of The North, which I thought was solid but um didn't really blow me away. I liked it quite a uh, I liked it enough. Um, there were some really good tunes on it. Um but overall I just thought it was um okay i don't know if it will end up making my year-end list which i think in and of itself makes it a little bit disappointing but um i don't know we'll see maybe it'll grow on me but uh, the the highlight of the week for me has been this (laughs) nano war of steel album dislike to false metal and the more i listen to it and the more i dig into each individual track which this is arguably the most random album i've heard in years and it is like Weird, if Weird Al made a metal album, um, every song has a distinct flavor, whether it's a parody of the, the opening track is, is a straight up parody of Alestorm with the opposite lyrics where it's just about being sober and drinking tea and like energy drinks. It's hilarious, but it sounds like it came right out of the Alestorm playbook. There's a song that is a sabotage tribute slash parody that Jokum from Savatan actually sings on to really drive it home. There's a song called Demu Boogie, which is like (laughs) just this almost um, like a swing song, almost out of the, uh, the Diablo swing orchestra playbook. Um, There is a song that that just, it's, it's hysterical. Uh, And the Chupacabra, Cadabra song is just every time i listen to it i, I i'm i bobbing my head and laughing at the same time this um oh and disco metal another song just um just your ear, absolute earworm and it's every song is just like a totally different genre but like done in a metal style it's 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 just hilarious it's a hilarious album and i just i really really enjoyed it this is the first time i've really dug into one of their full-length albums, and and they're, they're hysterical.
1: I listened to it once, but in full candor. I had it on in the background while I was doing some work, so I wasn't paying as much attention to it as I should have. But just hearing that, I think I'm going to go back and listen to it when we're done because I'm that curious. Um, I'm going to have to do a deeper dive into this. It didn't grab me the first time, but again, I was only listening with half an ear, so that's why I don't just listen to things once. Sometimes you have to be in the right mood for it to grab you. Uh, This is one of
0: those things where I would recommend you pull up the lyrics while you're listening to this and just read these lyrics for these songs because – these guys are hilarious. <laughs> like it is, it, it's some really, like really good satirical stuff. Like it, it's uh, the last song is called "The Power of Emodium" and it is right out of the like late '90s, early 2000s rhapsody playbook. Like every song is like a love letter to a different style of music or a different band. Um, it, it's it's really impressive it's just it's 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 just funny how the album doesn't flow at all because every song is is like a totally different but but like in in the best way possible like i if you're just looking for like a catchy catchy album but also that's that's going to give you a laugh uh maybe like steel Panther's shtick is worn off for you um maybe give nano war of steel a a a turn and and i should point out that they were originally called just nano war and they added of Steel because Rhapsody was forced to add of Fire to their name. So they parodied their they changed their name in parody. I mean, that's how serious these that's guys dedication. are about being a parody.
1: Uh, I mean, they, if you're going to be a parody, be a parody. And they seem to have that market yeah. covered. Um, and let's just I, not even forget the hilarity, the
0: hilarity of itself of the name of the album is dislike to false metal yeah.
1: instead of death to false metal. Uh, they, they, they're, they're cornering all the, all the shtick here. I, I like it. Um, I, I had sent you a track by a band called Triumpher, and for my money, this is like Greece's answer to man of war. These guys are like, they describe themselves as epic metal and that's really what it is. It's like, get your sword, get your shield. And it's funny because after covering triumph of steel, just a couple of weeks ago, I stumbled upon this, and I was like, "My God, it's like listening to the, a modern Manowar album." But to your point, although I can hear a little bit of Eric Adams in the vocalists, oh, in the vocalist, singular, um, I can. Add, once you said, once I sent it to you, you said to me, and I quote, "The the the singer sounds like uh, Andy Frank from Ivanhoe, Brainstorm, Simforce," and now I can't unhear that. So it's <laughs> if, if if Andy Frank was singing for Manowar, you've got Greece's Triumpher. Really, really cool. I'll post a track this week. I think it's definitely worth a listen. And one other track that was just released today, uh, the band Silosis on Nuclear Blast Records released their single, Deadwood. Uh, It came out, like I said, a little bit earlier today or maybe yesterday. If you've never heard of Silosis, it's this really clean-sounding, thrashy, melodic death metal band. And they are really, really good. They've got a bunch of albums out that I really enjoy. And apparently another one, it's on the way so i definitely recommend checking that out uh um, have they
0: been on the the prog power sampler over the years because i feel like the name is very familiar
1: you know something i don't i don't i don't know i don't know the answer to that but I, a quick google search will will tell me I, I don't know although i feel like the answer would be it's possible because they are on a major label so uh, i don't know but this but are
0: this they the s yes let's see
1: I don't think so. I'm looking now. I don't
0: see it. Oh nope. Past- I have a song from them that I think I uh, got from your recommendation from their dominant heart album, or sorry, dormant heart album from
1: 2015. Yeah, that album. That album is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, the new album is on the way, so something to check out for sure. But let's get to uh, the main event, shall we? It's Labyrinth from Italy. It's 1996, and 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 you picked. Their No Limits album, which is their debut, which is kind of interesting because when people talk about this band, inevitably they talk about the follow-up release, Return to Heaven Denied. And you know, we're, here we are; we're almost at episode one hundred and fifty, and we have not covered that album. And I think that's either a gross omission or just really, really interesting because it's one of my favorite albums, but I just haven't picked it yet. Uh, and and when we finally discussed this band, you went for the debut, which. Is interesting, and I'm curious what made you choose this one as opposed to any of their other releases. Uh
0: Probably the main reason was just because it was my first Labyrinth album. I I may have gotten it. No, you know what? No, Return to Heaven. And I would have been out um, by the time that I got this album, but I I don't remember why it might have been on Pat's recommendation because he was the one who bought the album for me um so this was my first labyrinth album i don't think it was too long after that i purchased um return to heaven denied but um there i just this memory that will never leave me of being in mike flaherty's basement and i believe ralph played vertigo and and Flarry just cranked it like so loud and i remember hearing that song just blasting and being like i've never heard anything like this before this marriage of techno and metal and like i didn't really know that much about metal at that point so like this is just blowing me away and and you know there's really not much in the way of vocals uh on this song so like i didn't even know what i was getting myself into and then so you know fast forward to uh we're at Coney Island High watching Halloween play in on December 20th, uh, 1998, if I recall the date. And um, uh, Pat gave me this album, I, b- I believe, as well as um, Superior's Behind album. I think those are the two albums that he had purchased for me. Um, and I, br- I bring it home and I pop it in. And then all of a sudden I play Mortal Sin and I hear this... Uh, voice, I can't remember if this was my first experience hearing Fabio Leone or if I had Legendary Tales at this point. I don't recall. I may have gotten both albums very close together. Um, but anyway, uh, I have a lot of fond memories of it. And, and like you said, I just feel like sometimes it's a little bit too easy to just go with the you know, the 9.5, 10 out of 10 that you know Return to Heaven Denied is going to get. Because it's just is that type of um, all-time great power metal album or gr- just all-time great album. Um, so I thought this would be a little bit more interesting, a little bit more of a challenge. And uh, I, I kind of assumed that neither of us had listened to it in a while. Um, I think I ended up being right there. So
1: Yeah, you, you definitely were. And, and you, you you said you hit the nail on the head. It's a marriage between metal and techno, which is like... You know, you you had never heard anything like it to that point. I'll argue you haven't heard anything like it since. This album is one of the most unique pieces of music you will ever hear because it has the stylings of that power metal that we know Labyrinth would obviously do with Return to Heaven Denied and, and their subsequent releases. But if you didn't know any better, you would argue this is a completely different band on this album. It sounds nothing like anything that would come after it. I wouldn't even say it's a power metal album in many ways. I mean, there are there's definitely elements of it with the bass drum, the double bass drum, and stuff like that. But for the most part, this is truly a very unique album. And I, I was kind of going through my mental iTunes in my head, and I was thinking, is there anything else that's like this? I can't think of anything. And if it is, it it doesn't get that close. It, it maybe it's in, on the fringe, but it doesn't really get close to this because. In many ways, it's more techno than metal.
0: I can't really disagree. And and the thing that really drove the whole thing home for me is that as soon as No Limits comes to an end on you know on my iTunes, Return to Heaven Denied starts playing, and immediately you notice how different. In two years, I mean, not,withstanding the fact that they have a completely different vocalist, but like just from a musical standpoint, like the production. Values go through the roof on Return to Heaven Denied, and and they just kind of settled into a more um, a more traditional power metal uh, sound, and kind of that. Um, I think like with um, was it Feel? I couldn't find that in your Every time I got to listen to her, um, <laughs> uh, I think it was Feel might have been the one yeah. song from Return to Heaven Denied that kind of took that euro beat kind of deal. Yep. Um, but the rest of the album was kind of a traditional you know power metal album um whereas like this album no limits has this kind of eurobeat vibe throughout the entire thing and, and just to let the uh the cat out of the bag we're going to be bringing back our old friend Olaf Thorsen who we spoke to when we talked about uh Vision Divine's debut album uh which came out 3 years after no limits um he he's going to talk to us about this album and probably ask us why we only want to talk about his debut albums that he's done. <laughs> um, but I, we have some questions for him. I especially really would like to know why the hell everybody has a stage name on this, oh, uh, yeah. on this album, you know, like Joe Terry and, and, uh, and company. And, 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 you know, Olaf Dorsen's not even Olaf's real name. His was a stage name too. He just kept his, but everybody else went with these like anglicized versions. Of their name, they're a bunch of Italian dudes, and it's like Joe Terry, Chris Breeze, and Ken Taylor. Like, it was so odd. I remember getting the album and thinking to myself, like, are these guys not Italian? Like, like what what am I missing here?
1: Um, yeah the the uh, it's it's funny because we just may as well kind of get right into the lineup. I guess Uh, Joe Terry, otherwise known as.
0: Uh, That is Fabio Leone, who we all come to know and love or loathe, depending on who you're asking.
1: (laughs) That's right. Uh, Anders Rain and Olaf Thorson on guitars. Chris Breeze on bass, otherwise known as Cristiano Bortucci, who is with actually Winrose, which I I had no idea, uh, no idea, but he's the bass player for Winrose. Uh, More on them to come because... They've just announced the U.S. tour, but we'll we'll get there. Uh, Frank Andiver on keyboards, and I got to be honest with you, and drums. But Frank Andiver goes by another name as well. His, I, I think, he's been with Oracle Sun and uh, Wonderland. He's done a he's done a couple of things uh, since Labyrinth. His real name is Franco uh, Rubalada. And then finally, a, a, a name that we will be talking about, I think, for much of this episode, Ken Taylor, otherwise known as Luca Contini on keyboards and i gotta be honest with you he's on this album and then he leaves the band and he's never heard from again so um really 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 uh interesting because of the names as as we talked about but apparently and, and this makes a lot of sense ken taylor would go on to do a lot of stuff in the techno world and i and it makes perfect sense because like if you hear once you hear this album you you will never think of uh you know anything else but but techno music i guess but like But he has a
0: name like he's like the cornerback for the New Orleans Saints.
1: (laughs) That's right. It's exactly right. Um, The album comes out November twenty first, 1996. And and before we do a deeper dive into the album itself, I think it's worth mentioning. If you go back to 1996, obviously you've got your your Gamma Rays and your Halloweens and your strong German power metal with Blind Guardian and, and other stuff. This is before your Sonata Artica and before that real big wave of late 90s power metal had come into existence. So while Stradivarius was kind of Finland's answer to Halloween in many ways, Labyrinth, as far as I know, and I'm, I'm pretty sure about this, was one of the first, if not the first, big-time power metal band to hit it in Italy. This is before Rhapsody. This is before Pandemonium. This is before Skylock. I mean, like this is like the cutting edge of of uh, Italian power metal right here.
0: Yeah, um th- this was off of uh the the Underground Symphony label which like it, I'm looking through this list of bands that were on it and it's wild like Cryonic Temple and uh Eddie Antonini and and um even Power Quest's first album was on this uh label and Pandemonium who you uh just named. Um a lot of names that you would recognize Shadows of Steel uh Six Magic Skylark like th- th- this was I guess an Italian based um yeah they definitely are. Italian based yep. uh uh label um still active for that matter um so yeah like it's it's really uh it's it's a really interesting time and yeah like you said like it, it kind of predates uh, I to me like there's like these kind of eras of, of power metal and like you have like you know the early eras like the where the keepers kind of get things rolling and then then there's like this this mid to early to mid 90s like glory period of and we've talked about a ton of albums from this time with like uh, you know Gamma Ray's Land of the Free and Halloween with you know Master of the Rings and Time of the Oath and um, there's just a, a Stradivarius's episode and Fourth Dimension and Angra's Holy Land and Angel's Cry there's so many of these classics and then You know, like you said, then in the late 90s, you start getting more of these bands like Camelot and Rhapsody and Sonata Artica. And then in the early 2000s, there's, you know, you start to get your Dragon Forces and your Power Quests and that kind of deal. So this is interesting that Labyrinth would kind of kickstart in 96 and make an album that really didn't, fit in with the rest of these other albums that came out and it maybe they're just uh I and mean, there wasn't a ton of italian power metal at this point in time there there would be going forward but uh these guys just are kind of the famous. catalyst
1: yeah I, I completely agree with you um and, and going back you know you had mentioned you kind of choosing it because it had been a while and it had <laughs> the production the production on this album um boy it, 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 could use a makeover, and I, I don't fault them because, quite frankly, a lot of those underground symphony albums were not the greatest sonically sounding albums. But the production here is just—I I feel like if they cleaned it up, this would be a monster album in terms of just sonic, you know, I don't know, just clarity or whatever. But it's it's just lacking the, the clarity that um, Return to Heaven Denied would have just two years later.
0: Yeah, it, it it's definitely flat sounding it, it really speaks to the quality of the music that it, it in a, a lot of ways rises above what, what's a substandard mix and that'll be definitely something that we'll talk to olaf about because i mean when you think about by the time vision divine self-titled album comes out like they, they got production down to a science just three years later that first vision divine album sounds fantastic and honestly so does return to heaven denied which came out the year before that um But, uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, they probably were working on a limited budget and whatever. Um, we'll, we'll get into that with him when we speak to him. But, um, I forgot that it, maybe just because at the time it wasn't as noticeable, but now that you go back like, you know, however many years, almost 30 years later, um, it's quite noticeable how, eh, the, uh, the mixes like this is, this, this album did not come out in 1984, You know, this is not Into Glory Ride. Um, This is 1996. And, like, when you compare it to an album like The Time of the Oath that Halloween released in 1996, which I think still sounds amazing, um, you know, it it kind of falls flat in that respect. I I think that might be really the only area, though, in which the uh, album suffers, quite honestly.
1: Yeah, I I would uh, I would agree with that and and without further ado, let's kind of get into it. Uh you had mentioned that opening track Mortal Sin. I know normally I'll kind of lead us in with that first track, but talk to me about your thoughts like when you hear this for the first time about Mortal Sin and like wh- what were your thoughts when you were hearing this for the first time because it it does start with a very ominous sounding keyboard intro.
0: Yeah, um it it's ominous is a a good word for it. Um and then it's like, it's, it's ominous, it's dark. And then it just kicks, it kicks in. And, and all of a sudden it just speeds up and, um, it's, it's kind of like this perfect introduction to the, to this album. And I, after like re-listening to the album, I, I connect, I connected the most, with this song, and I think just because it's one of the best songs really? on the album, first of all, but I think just because it was like the first song on the first album of the of the Labyrinth, the first Labyrinth album I ever owned, I have, I just hear it and it just takes me back. So I don't know that I've ever made a first song on an album, my song of the week. This could be the first time, um, but uh, this was the one that I think really hit me the hardest going back and listening to it.
1: Well, without further ado, let's give it a listen, shall we? Is that so? This is your song of the week, no question. This is my song of the week. Absolutely. Let's let's give it a listen, and I'll I'll, I'll share my thoughts when we come back. it's it's funny this is not my favorite song on the album although i do think it is a phenomenal opener some immediate thoughts that hit me when i was listening back this week number 1 the guitars are kind of way back in the mix and i don't know why that is but like for I, yo i always thought of this as olaf's band but yet the guitars are so far back in the mix that you oh, they almost get lost and overshadowed by some of the other sounds uh, number 2 the cymbals are just very tinny sounding and it feels like it's a very it kind of lacks the low end and the high end but it's got this very tinny sounding cymbals um and even though it's not the fastest track it's deceivingly heavy um i think that the instrumental section is particularly good because i love the dueling solos between the guitar and the keyboards i think that's a really nice touch and it's I, the, the word I would kind of describe this song as is frenetic. It's, it's like it's kind of like all over the place in your face. And then when Fabio actually sings, it's like really just like a real, you know, punch to the face because it's a very powerful song. Um, and, and and I can't imagine it opening with anything else, although I wouldn't say it's my number one track on the album.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like it kind of sets the stage for the rest of the album being very heavy at least sonically uh, heavy on keys and drums where, and like the, the, the bass guitar is almost inaudible in, in parts. Um, and the guitars really, I think shine more so in the solos than anywhere else. Um, I completely agree. Just, just cause I feel like the rhythm part of it is really carried by the keys, uh, in this, yes. in this situation. It's a very key heavy, uh, album, which might be part of the reason I enjoy it so much, but, um, You really like you're right about the drums like it's tinny, but yet at the same time, the drums are very loud, like they're they're very prominent in a way that the bass and the guitars aren't as much. So like to me, you just hear a lot more keyboards and and drums than anything
1: else. I, I couldn't agree more. And then we get into Midnight Resistance, which is the second track. This one starts with a guitar solo. So it's like almost the opposite of what we just said in so far as it actually starts with a guitar solo over this really kind of cool drum fill. I love this track. And, and this was a track that I kind of grew on me over time because um I always liked it. But as I went back and I listened to it a bunch this week, it became one of my favorite tracks on the album. And it's a little bit slower pacing. And, and the way that the verses are, it's almost like, ethereal sounding I guess is the word I would use and then the chorus is just faster and heavier and in your face and then it transcends back into that like ethereal sound uh really really well done and I love the dynamic again between the verses and the chorus but I, one of the highlights for me really is the outro where they have this acoustic guitar which is just unexpected in many ways it reminds me a lot of um what New Horizons is on Return to Heaven Denied, just in terms of the way the song is structured, but I think this is a phenomenal track.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's a really good tune, like just another really strong uh, song to kind of kick off the uh, the album, which I, I think is a little bit stronger on the front end, personally. Um, Memorable, but, if uh, nothing else yeah yeah um but yeah this is a cool song i always as a kid i thought it was cool that they said ride the sky like i felt like that was a nod to to halloween in in a way um but yeah this is another another really good tune um
1: i uh i like this one quite a bit as well and then we, we the third track is a song called dreamland and this one's interesting for a whole different reason it's it's one of the shorter songs on the of the album it's only three minutes and 44 seconds but it's kind of proggy, more so than it is power metal, in my opinion. And, and I got to be honest, the, what sticks out here for me is, A, the drum performance. I think it's phenomenal. It's a bit of a deeper cut, even though it's like on the front of the album. But it's it reminds me a lot of when Dream and Day Unite by Dream Theater or something that could have been on that album. Drum heavy, keyboard heavy questionable production and <laughs> proggy like it just to me it's like it, this could have been on 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 Dream theater's debut and you wouldn't have questioned it
0: yeah except the vocals are a little bit better on this, <laughs> on this one
1: <laughs> um, sorry charlie
0: yeah sorry that's not nothing against charlie i like charlie but fabio i mean like this young fabio that hasn't ravaged his voice with cigarettes yet <laughs> um, not that you could tell the difference, but I mean, this has got to be like a, a early twenties Fabio Leone, just like golden throated in, in all of his glory. Just he uh, sounds so good, even though the mix is not great. And you'd re- I feel like on Legendary Tales by Rhapsody, which would uh, come out the following year, like they did a really hell of a, hell of a great job um, producing his vocals on the album in a way that I think this album lacks a little bit, but I mean, you could still hear that, um, you know, just that, uh, that, that there's like a future star in the making here. Um, But yeah, this is a, a, another cool uh, tune. I like the, um, the, I just like the way that the, the, the keys kind of lead it in with the drums. Again, it's very keys and drums kind of, you don't really hear a lot of albums where it's like the keys and drums are leading the way. It's either like, you know, it's either like bass or bass and drum heavy, or key and guitar heavy, or just guitar heavy. Um, it's it's a weird combo, but it it it's works.
1: Unique album, it really it really is unlike anything you've ever heard, in my opinion. I, I, I just just really unique. And and you would mentioned how the front half might be a little bit stronger than the back half. If for no other reason than the the next three songs, and I, I'm not going to talk about them together, but the next three songs are so powerful that I would argue the middle of the album is actually where like this album's bread is buttered, if you will. It, it, the first of which was the first and only single on the album, "Piece of Time." It's a very short song; it, it's well less than three minutes. But this one, it, it almost it starts with like a Fabio Leone vocal solo over the drums, which is. Awesome. And then it's this upbeat, melodic, gallopy number. And it's these little nuances that I think make this song, including like the bass soap, the bass lines, which you finally hear prominently in the mix, and these guitar noodles, which are just like really, really catchy. And if I was going to play a song for someone that's never heard the band, it's got to be piece of time. And I guess it makes sense why it was the first single.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's a very, uh, probably one of the most accessible. Songs on the album, um, just uh, like commit, just a really solid mid tempo, catchy, like uh, nothing that, nothing that you didn't already say, um, really good tune and, and makes a lot of sense that uh, it was chosen to be the single for this album. And uh, in the shade, I guess, would be would have been con- considered, I guess, the B side of that single because the single was was Piece of Time, In the Shade, and then the, the two bonus tracks that would end up on the end of this album as well. Um, so I kind of consider like those be, the, were kind of the, uh, the showcase songs, if you will, before this album was released. And uh, I, the, they're arguably two of the best songs on the album, so I can understand why. But this is a good one. Um, I don't think the two times that we've seen Labyrinth play live, I don't think they played this song. I would have liked to have heard it. They haven't,
1: and that was a little disappointing but they do play they did play something else and you 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 alluded to it earlier in terms of what that song is but we'll we'll get there in a second before we do you had mentioned vertigo as being like that song that you heard in the basement with with the music blaring and everything else i i know this is you know for all intents and purposes is a cover and it's a cover of an artist named rex a obviously I, i don't know who that is but this this song is just techno all the way through and and Quite frankly, I'll tell you a little story about this song, and I don't—I don't even know if I've ever told you this, but a lot of my friends in college were into the whole techno and the club scene and everything else. And I remember playing them Vertigo like really, really loud on my stereo system in my house. Um, you know, we were 18, 19 years old, and these were guys that like just loved that whole club scene, yada yada yada, and they like they were into this song. They could totally get into it because it was really just a logical extension from what they were listening to um, with that, you know, that underground techno stuff that that I still to this day don't quite appreciate. Uh, but this this song is phenomenal. And although I, I don't know what it means to smash on the West, the drums here actually do set the tone quite well just because it's that tinny cymbal on this and that like t- Sound is just drives this whole song i love it i wish the guitars were a bit higher in the mix but um if if the club scene sounded like this i would be all over it yeah
0: we would have probably went to mirage a little bit, a little bit more than we did <laughs> 100%. Um, funny you should mention college because um i would play this song for nops and Matt and some of my friends in college and and you know i, I talk about nops I, I think he i pushed the, too much power metal on him when he was really a, more of a prog guy we just didn't figure that out until later on but this was one of those power metal now songs he's like, sending me
1: uh, now he's telling me to go listen to the new periphery album earlier this week so exactly. but you. yeah
0: this was a song that he freaking loved like he, i mean i would play this song for anybody that would listen like i always found this to be a really good gateway for somebody who wasn't that into metal because that that techno part of it can kind of bring them into the, that, that way, because it's so catchy in that sense, there's not a lot of lyric, there's not a lot of words or like, or, um, vocals. So like if the high pitched power metal vocals is a turnoff for you, there's really none of that here. Um, so the way that it was like my introduction to Labyrinth and Fabio Leone for that matter, um, like I will never forget that just visceral feeling that i had hearing it for the first time especially like you said you got to play it really loud like just hearing it blast it, it gives it a whole nother uh, vibe but like this to me is a song that when i hear it it's one of the most important songs that i heard in like when we were in high school as far as like just something that I heard for the first time and just really instantly resonated with me. And it's something that I would try to pass on to others. uh, And and not, and I think Knopps could could speak to that, that this is a song that he'll always remember and and think of fondly.
1: Well, yeah, I, well said, I I think that's awesome. And I guess we had similar uh, stories and used it similarly, but the one thing we didn't mention is how this song doesn't really end. It goes right into the next track, which you mentioned, In the Shade. And I love how it does that. I think it's just an awesome effect. Uh, and and In the Shade was an album that we did get to hear live the first time we saw this band uh, back at Prague Power. And that was one of the absolute highlights of the set for me. I couldn't believe that they were playing a song off of this album. And I'm not sure that I could have picked a better song because it might be my favorite on the album. It's it's very heavy. It's got these soaring vocals. And when we saw Rob Tyrant sing it live or Roberto Taranti sing it live, he was phenomenal. And and I love the verses and the chorus just gets st- stuck in your head for days. And what I love about this song is that really at one point or another, every single instrument has a chance to shine. Um, I love it. And I want to hear your thoughts, but I Am gonna make it my song of the week, so I want to give it a listen first, and I'll uh, I'll let you share your thoughts when we get back. Just, just an absolutely memorable song. I, I, I would be shocked if you didn't share some of my sentiments on that. But I want to give you the floor. Talk to me about in the shade and, and why this was kind of the second, not the second single, but the B side to the to the to the A single.
0: It's probably uh, again one of the most uh, accessible songs on the album. I always had it um, connected to Vertigo uh, in my library. I I had joined the tracks when I ripped the CD. Because to me, like, I, I, don't, I don't like listening to Vertigo and then not hearing In the Shade immediately uh, afterwards. Um, they re-recorded this song with um, a different vocalist. I don't know if it was uh, Roberto. There was a different singer named Morby who sang on the Timeless Crime EP in between uh, Return to Heaven Denied and Sons of Thunder. Um, but they did a, um, a, re- a remake of this song, which, um, you know, if you wanted to hear a song from No Limits with a little bit better of a production value, I-, I would point you in the direction of that. I don't know that the vocal performance is as good as Fabio's here, but um, yeah, great song um, to-, to kind of uh, pi- piggyback on your um, comments about seeing them. The first time they played uh, at Prague Power I will never forget um, you were on the rail with Pat and I was a couple of rows behind you with Mike. And every time they started playing a song, you just turned around and looked at me and just shook your head. Like, like just in the way that said, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening right now. Like just, I will never forget you just turning around and just looking like mind boggled. And then when they played this song, you were so happy. I just remember that look on your face I'll never forget it. So, um,
1: I, yeah, I gotta be, I'm like a mark of for week. this band. And, and I'm not going to say that some of, there, there were some albums that I, did, I didn't I did care for as much as as those first three, but I, whether it's this, Return to Heaven Denied, an all-time classic, and even um, Sons of Thunder, which I think is an underrated album. I, I, I don't know if the band particularly cares for the album, but I, I actually like it quite a bit. I think those first three albums are just, gold in a time period where i was in my power metal uh you know the, the i was the biggest power metal fan around at that time so it just it strikes a chord with me but yeah i i, I marked out completely when they played this and I, I i'm sure i'll never get to see it again so at least we got we got the memories of the first one
0: absolutely yeah it, it was uh it was something i i we talked about this um before we rec- recorded but um the idea of this album getting redone like not just cleaned up but just re-recorded with a modern sound. I think
1: that would be really cool. Um, I think you'd have to get Ken Taylor back on the keys. I'm not sure that anyone could do this. You know, I mean, yes, you could play. I thought it, you're but, gonna like, say I'm
0: not sure anyone could find him.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> also possible, but um, I don't know. I just feel like the keys are so distinct. Not that it's it's not the most technical. It's not Jordan Rudis on the on the piano, but at the same time, it's so. Um, so Ken Taylor, if you will, on keyboards, yeah, like he's I don't, very I yeah, for sure. Uh, that's kind of the end of the first half of the album. The the second half of the, of the album kicks off with No Limits, the title track, and it's really your first ballad. It, it's kind of a power ballad. It's like it starts off with this slow melodic guitar sound, and then complemented well by the keyboards. I think it has like this very big, powerful chorus feel to it. Um, and it's kind of the epic on the album, right? It's, it's It clocks in at almost seven minutes, and it's about a minute or so longer than every other track on the album. It's – what I like about this more than anything else, I think, are these really simple keyboard solos that kind of happen a couple of times throughout the, the whole song. But what's interesting is it sounds like my sister's Casio for when she was, like, learning to play the piano because it sounds so primitive in terms of – it doesn't sound full or powerful but it, they're really cool keyboard solos couldn't
0: couldn't agree more this is for me kind of like where the album kind of falls off a little bit after this I really like this song it's um a really chill kind of tune and yeah like those keyboards are kind of yeah that primitive is a good way of describing it um but this is a kind of a nice song it's it's um something a little more mellow than what we've heard so far uh, especially like you consider we we've kind of run the gamut on uh tempos on this album you know vertigo is like a complete like just i mean the, the it's well named I'll just say that um <laughs> you know good, but like good. there's parts in mortal sin that are super fast and, and then there's you know songs like uh, in the shade which is heavy but also kind of more of a mid tempo kind of song this one kind of dials it back a little bit and like you said I don't know that I consider this like a, a tr- like a true ballad. It's more of a just kind Power of slower, ballad, I would say, like a slower <laughs> okay. song. Like when we get to "Time Has Come," like that's that, a ballad. The, uh, that's yes. the ballad, the big ballad of the album. But um, this is a, pre- a pretty cool song. I just like that um, they didn't they didn't make a million songs that sounded the same. Like I, I was gonna say, um, you know, regarding that Ice Age album I was talking about before. Like I find that a lot of the album sounds similar to the point where like, I'm not always so sure which song I'm listening to. And so that's not always a great thing. I feel like with this album, every song really has its own kind of flavor and you really know what, you know, what song it is, but at the same time, it flows really well in spite of that. So, um, and that's always a sign of a really, a strong album, in my opinion, provided that the, the songwriting and the performance is actually good. Um, <laughs> 'Cause you could have all those things and it could be terrible. Um yes. <laughs> but uh, <it. laughs> in this case this is this is not this is not um not that. And again, it, it just the it it's so interesting to me how the band like Return to Heaven and Night was kind of a natural progression, but it's almost like it kind of reminds me of like Zelda 2 where like they never went back and made a game quite like that one ever again and that's kind of like like that's what no limits is it's the Zelda 2 of labyrinth albums i bet you, you never heard anyone say that
1: before No, that's that's uh that's definitely a first and i wish i could argue i can't it's it's just it's different it's unique it's one of a time it's one of a kind it's it's the Zelda 2 or the Super Mario Brothers 2 right like that that's the, it's Or ca-
0: or the Castlevania 2
1: there you go exactly um so Without without turning it over to, to Mr. Belmont, talk to me about the right sign and your thoughts on this track. Um, I'll, I'll just say for my money, again, this screams like late 90s club scene to me. Like, it, it, I, I don't know that it's my favorite song. It's very heavy techno inspired. It's kind of mid-paced. Uh, vintage, how's that for a good word? Vintage Olaf Thorson song guitars. You could, it's so distinct on this track. Uh, and, and I do like the layered vocals as well song's a little bit repetitive for my taste and so i don't i don't think it's my favorite track by any means but i there are elements of this which i love
0: yeah i like the chorus a lot on this song um and i like the intro the the techno kind of intro to it the rest of the song is kind of middle of the road for me but um it's a it's a it's a pretty solid tune but again like i feel like we're kind of losing steam a little bit at this point um because there were just so many really strong songs up until this point, especially those first six or even seven tracks were just, I, I, I really um, just enjoy that whole beginning and middle of this album so much that I feel like this little kind of area before you get to time has come, it, it kind of
1: dips a little bit, uh, not a lot, but a little. I, I'm a little surprised you say that about Red Zone, the next track. And the reason I say that is this one's a bit more of a hard rocking tune. And it actually has, for me, at least in my, in my years, elements of their power metal sound, which you'd hear on Return to Heaven Denied, you know, two years later. I, I thought to me, it's like power metal with a nod to a, the Hades, the 80s hair metal scene kind of m- mashed together admittedly i kind of forgot about this track but when i you know kind of dove back in and got towards the end of the album i realized this is a pretty good tune that i just kind of either overlooked or just simply forgot about but i thought it would have the elements here that you might actually particularly enjoy
0: yeah it has the elements i just don't think that it comes together for me as a song i love i mean it's got like you know double bass and like you, know, like you said, it's really fast it's it's got the uh, more of those techno e keys and and the, some of the key parts are very um very 80s like you said um i just don't know that the song is that memorable for me like it's it's fine um but i just don't like it as much as the uh, some of the earlier tracks we mentioned before it does have a lot of energy to it i'll say that but um it just doesn't come together for me it's it's one of my uh it's one of my least favorite songs on the album, to be honest. Interesting,
1: interesting. Um, you know, I, I w- and and part of the reason for that is you know you had kind of alluded to the fact that time has come is one of your. It sounds like one of your favorite songs, and that is for sure the true true ballad on the album. Talk to us about that. What what is what is it that stands out about this particular track for you? I just
0: think that it's really well written. um the melody is really beautiful. um Fabio, I think really sings his ass off on this track um because it's not as like fast and heavy you the keys and the drums aren't drowning him out as much. so it's more of a a platform or or a a what's the word I'm looking for a a a spotlight on okay. on his vocals, which you know. He's arguably the most well known person to come out of this album, you know, with 30 years, almost 30 years of hindsight. Um, I I just think this is such a beautiful, beautifully done ballad. And and his high vocals just really soar without sounding obnoxious, I think, which I think in later years, some people might accuse Fabio's like really high, like like note holding note like those high notes that he holds out it almost sounds like manufactured in 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 a lot of ways and some people hate it i i happen to not be one of those people i <laughs> i've always loved fabio like the first time i heard legendary tales like that was it like he was always going to be one of my all-time favorite singers and you know that me i'm really big on vocalists like that's huge for me um so you know, coming back to this, it's it was always interesting to me um having Legendary Tales and No Limits as my first two albums of like Fabio, you know, of Fabio Leone's vocals and how they really don't it doesn't sound like the same. At, no. t- at times it does, but in other times like his the way that he's able to change his style to fit each band is really interesting to me. And I think that when Vision Divine Uh, came out in 1999, he kind of went back to this Labyrinth style that he did rather than more of his Rhapsody style, which I thought was really interesting. Vision Divine, in a lot of ways, that first album is almost an extension of this era of Labyrinth. I'm pretty sure many of the members of the band on this album will rejoin Olaf and Fabio on that album, which when I remember pre-ordering it or or asking Pat to pre-order it probably at the time or, or asking somebody and it was um initially billed as like a Fabio Leone solo album. Um, but I think in retrospect, it was really him and Olaf together uh, co-writing this album. And, and to me, it was always like their little nod to this first album, No Limits that like, Hey, we enjoyed working together and we made a cool album and now we're going to make one that maybe sounds a little bit more modernized and, uh, not recorded in somebody's basement or garage um, but yeah uh, getting back to to, to uh, at hand uh I just really I think this is a really nice song and like I always say, I was always drawn to really well done ballads during this time and this was uh no exception what what, what did you think about this song
1: i I happen to agree with you I think it really is a fabio showcase in many ways and it is a very memorable tune. I wouldn't even call it a hidden gem at the back of the album. I almost chose it as my song of the week, but I wanted to go with something a little more traditional for, don't ask me why, but I, that's just the kind of mood I was in as we sat down to record. But for my money, this is probably a top three or four song on the album. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe they could have closed the album with it, right? Like, did they really need Looking For, which is the next track? I, I don't know. I just put it out there that that is another kind of short ballad that ends this thing. And it was kind of interesting to have two in a row, so to speak. Um, not that it's, uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's not that strong of an ending tune for me. And I really you know, would have just it, dropped it. it. It feels
0: like a long outro. Like, in, yes, a lot of outros are like less than two minutes long. This is like a three, th- a three plus minute, but it doesn't really feel like a full song. It just really feels like kind of a, a way to, to exit the, the, the proceedings, but in kind of a drawn out sort of way. But I, I got to say this song and some other parts here and there throughout the album really reminded me of, of early power quest. And it, I, I wonder hmm. if, I wonder if there was any influence there because I think being that power quest is a very, uh, you know, heavily keyboard driven band. Um, I, I wonder if that's just, uh, that's just happenstance and, and it just kind of worked out that way or if there was any, sort of um any sort of influence there it could could be something to to ask steve the next time we we talk to him but um this there was something about this song that kind of made me think of 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 a of a kind of a mellower power quest outro as well so whatever maybe i just think of power quest all the time, no matter. Well, what they I'm seem to
1: be to. on the brain. So, yeah, yeah, like so I'll be so listening
0: gonna... to the the longest time by Billy Joel and be like, you yeah, know, this reminds <laughs> me of Never World. Um,
1: um, did you did you happen to listen to the bonus tracks this week? Call me in miles away.
0: Yeah. So the funny thing about these is that like this was just one of those albums where because I owned the the Japanese or the Korean or whatever, whatever the the uh, the Far East, wherever Far East country it was that I got it from. Um, I just always considered these two songs part of the album, which is weird because like you said, time has come it really should have been like where the album ended. And then I always thought it was weird that there were three more tracks <laughs> after it. And so it's, it's hard for magic. me. Yeah. It's hard for me to separate these two tracks as like just bonus tracks or B sides. they were, they were originally the tracks three and four on the, uh, on the piece of time single or EP, depending on what you want to call it. Um, they're both pretty good songs uh they're they're I don't think that they um compete with most of the the songs that are on the album proper but uh they're not bad songs I, but I, I understand why they were not um you know part of the the 11 the first eleven songs proper
1: i'll I'll say this about call me. To me, this was kind of the first Vision Divine song. I think yeah. both of these songs have a, a, a lot of a. I don't think these songs have the same feel as the rest of the album. I think it they feel like B sides, but it "Call Me" sounds like a Vision Divine track. When I, you heard. know what? You know what? "Call Me" made me think of made me think of "Don't Follow Me" by Fate's Warning.
0: That, that's what I huh? kind of the guitar just, like, really reminded me of that song. That's that's just where I went with that
1: and. Yeah, I, I think it's actually a pretty good tune. In the last 30 seconds, it really just speeds up, which is kind of cool, just out of nowhere. It's a nice change of pace. Miles Away is a little more mundane, a little more um, vanilla, if you will. Love the extended guitar solo. Very simple song. Probably my least favorite of the two bonus tracks. even act. longer outro. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. But interesting stuff. Um, and, and like I said, the reason the reason this album is not a 10 for me is because it's not perfect. I think there are certain tracks towards the back, which are not perfect. And and the production just suffers, but like for its novelty alone, this has to get a fairly high rating because there's nothing like this. As I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm curious for you scale of one to 10. Um, I, to me, I I would give it an 8.25. Um,
0: I, I think that the, uh, the songs that are great are really great. The songs that are not as great are good, but not you know just they're just kind of there. Uh, I think the production drags it down a little bit, at least. Um, it has to, it has to. I, I think that it, it, I think that it's more of an eight point five or even an eight point seven five if it, if it sonically is more pleasing. But that said, I think that the, um, the material is so unique. Um, A lot of the songwriting is really strong and it's uh, just for nostalgia's sake, like it's the first time, you know, we would hear Fabio Leone and Olaf Thorson who, you know, we would go on to, to really uh, herald as both pioneers and very important members of the power metal community, uh, especially out of, out of Italy. Um, So while I can almost promise you that we would give return to heaven denied a higher score. um, I think that this album really deserves a spotlight, which is why I chose it in the first place. And, uh, and, and I, and I think that um, in in spite of it, not sounding so great, as far as production goes, it still holds up uh, musically. And um, I I really enjoyed going back and listening to it. And like I'd said, it's something I had had in the back of my head, Uh, for a while and, um, for whatever reason, you know, things would, uh, come up, uh, you know, instead, but, um, it was something I was definitely planning on talking about. I'm positive. We will do a return to heaven denied episode one of these days, but, um, sometimes it's nice to, to go a little bit off the beaten path. How about you? What's your score for this?
1: I am going to give it the same score which considering the production is a monster score because if any other album didn't sound so hot, I don't know that I would even give it anywhere near an 8 because it would kind of deter the experience. But there's something almost charming about it because of the fact that it has that techno feel to it and because the keyboards are so prominent in the mix along with the drums, um, as we've said you know, countless times. I, I, I'm almost inclined to give it an 8.5. I'm not just because i don't think this like i said there's a couple of songs here that are uh average uh, more so than than phenomenal but 8.25 for me for a debut album with this you know um production which probably could use a touch up phenomenal score just a really memorable listen and if you've never heard this album certainly listen to our songs of the week but i would suggest listening to the album as a whole just because um you're missing out if you don't if you don't check this out
0: yeah, I expect to get some uh, comments from our friend Adam Askoff on the uh, Metal Exchanges group uh, during the week, because um, I know that he uh, has some strong feelings uh, about this album, and he even um, he even uh, sent us a question to pass on to Olaf, which we will plan on doing. Um, unfortunately, by the time this uh, runs, uh, the interview will already be recorded, um, so maybe we'll uh, post something um on facebook before we run the before we do the interview just to see if anybody else has any questions to ask uh olaf but uh, we appreciate that he will be rejoining us our second uh our second repeat guest. um I, i've pretty much messaged everybody in metal and so now i'm just going back to the well to the people that <laughs> already know that they want to talk to us so um you know expect uh expect just everybody
1: that we've already talked to to just come back and talk to us again (laughs) since we we got a couple of new things in the pipeline i I, I, kidding aside we got a couple things um i just want to mention a couple of uh news items before i talk about my album for next week uh i mentioned earlier that avenge sevenfold who is back with a new single the single is called nobody Announced the show at Madison Square Garden as a headlining act. I thought that was very impressive. I was not expecting that. I know they were really big, you know, kind of before they went on a relatively lengthy hiatus. But Madison Square Garden holds 18,500 people. It was a lofty goal. Did you, have, did you have a chance to listen to Nobody the Single? Because it was – it's gotten some real flack. I don't know that people particularly loved it or at least not everyone.
0: Yeah, I listened to it once. It, it- – I didn't think it was bad, but it didn't really grab me. Um, I, I thought that M Shadow's voice w- didn't sound as crisp or, or distinct as it has before, and I don't know if that has to do with age or or what, whatever. But it, it it sounded like him, but not quite. Um, I, I went ahead and pre ordered the album because I I always enjoy what what they do, but um, I, I'm not nearly a big enough fan to like really. I think, critique it deeply. Um, All I can say is I listened to it once and
1: I didn't really feel super strong one way or the other about it. Um, It just sounded so different than some of their older material that it was jarring in a way. Uh, I don't know that the whole album is going to sound like this, but it was different. And, you know, some would argue proggy, which is not what you'd expect from from a band like that. But nonetheless, Madison Square Garden, here we come. Um, And in tour news... Did they announce any openers for that? Show they or? did, but they did, but not anybody that I was familiar with. Okay, so I, I, I no, not, not, nothing really on that front. Uh, and some tour news: I, two bands that are playing Prague Power this year, Delane and Visions of Atlantis, are going out on a short run of shows after their appearance at the festival uh, on September 10th. They're going to play Charlotte. They're, then they're coming up to the Northeast, going up to Canada, and then finishing out west in LA on September 24th. Uh, admittedly, I'm not going to go see this show because quite frankly, I'll see both bands in Atlanta, but it's a pretty cool tour package. I have to say.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um, I- I'm with you. Um, will you know, we'll, we'll catch him in a- Atlanta as they say, but, uh, yeah, agreed. Um, it- it's cool. And, uh, I think that, um, I, I know that I would go, I would have gone out of my way to-, to catch one of these shows had they not been playing at Prague power at this year. Yeah.
1: And I, I still have not seen Visions of Atlantis. I missed them on 70K, like I mentioned, because I knew I would be seeing them later in the year, and I went to see other stuff instead. But I'm I'm really curious to see this band live. I've seen Clementine sing live with Serenity, and she's phenomenal. So I have no doubt she'll be fantastic singing with Visions of Atlantis.
0: Oh, my darling. Um, <laughs> the, uh, also, speaking of, of bands playing at Prague Power that are going on tour, uh, Rhapsody of Fire, while not playing at Prague power, uh, are bringing along two bands that are playing at Prague power, uh, Windrose and seven kingdoms. Um, and they're, they're going out on a, um, uh, North American tour because they are playing in Canada as well. And that, uh, that'll start out in Boston on May 10th and, and in New York city on June 9th. So, uh, that's a cool little, um, cool little bill there of some really cool power metal bands so um again i think that's another show i probably would have went out of my way to see had you know two-thirds of the lineup not been playing <laughs> in prog power but uh kudos to uh seven kingdoms getting onto another uh another uh cool um tour after playing with uh power wolf um you know uh, they're they're getting in that grind. I like you, you love to see it. It's I'll take seeing them a million times opening for bands over into eternity any
1: day. I'll say that much. No, that and it's also not two thousand and six anymore. But yes, I agree with you. Um, which brings us to next week. Um, I was looking. Please tell back- me this album came out in two thousand six. That will make me laugh. Close. No, this, <laughs> this album comes out in two thousand and one. Uh, but I, I was looking back in the archives, and there was an artist that I wanted to cover. For a while, and I went back to see when we covered something by this artist, or at least another incarnation of the artist, and I couldn't believe that it. it had been over a year since we did Strapping Young Lad's City album. We're not doing Strapping Young Lad, we're not doing City, but we are going to do some Devin Townsend solo stuff, because I feel like we he's got such a massive discography, um, we'd be remiss not to do one of his albums. And I'll do the first one I ever heard, which kind of coincided with his Prog Power appearance Back at Prog Power 3, and that's his 2001 release, Terria. Um, I have some stories about this album. I have some thoughts about this album. And quite frankly, I just want to listen to it again. So that's what we're going to cover next week.
0: Uh, That's very cool. Um, I do not know. Man, my my knowledge of Devin Townsend is not good. I know songs here and there. I, I really started to listen to his later albums in recent years as i've become more of a fan uh i, I owe a lot of that to knops um he he really got me on the uh the devon townsend train finally um so yeah i'm looking forward to listening to this i, I think it'll be good um i'll be curious to see uh which which of these songs were actually played at frog power i don't think i stuck around for too much of his set anyway um but yeah, this is good. Uh, I, I Again, like another thing that um, I just missed out on at the time. So this will be a good chance to make up for that.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're going to uh, – it's a very diverse album. I think you're going to have some – I think there's going to be some tracks you love. I think there's going to be some tracks that make you scratch your head. And I think there's going to be other tracks that make you want to listen to it again. So it, it should be interesting. That sounds um, like
0: a description for just about any Devin Townsend album, though, doesn't it?
1: Also, also spot on accurate, but, uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you, uh, our interview with Olaf Thorson later in the week. We look forward to bringing you Devin next week. And then as, as, uh, as we get closer to April 3rd, uh, we'll give you more info on the Patreon. So again, thank you for your support. In the meantime, any five-star reviews would be helpful. They help other people find the show. Uh, give us a like and a follow and join the chat. Facebook.com slash groups slash metal exchanges. We hope to see you soon.
0: Yeah, we were going to launch the Patreon on April 1st, but then we were worried that people would think it was an April Fool's joke. So <laughs> uh, we just we changed it to April 3rd, which happens to be a Monday, which is when our new episodes drop. Anyway, seemed to make more sense. So maybe you'll be a little bit more uh, confident that this is not in fact an <laughs> April fool's joke. It's actually very serious. Um, and, and like I said, I just want to echo what I said earlier. Um, please uh, send us any sort of um, suggestions you may have. Uh, I, I've already actually received, um, I'm sure you have as well, uh, a few suggestions from our, our mutual friend, Charles um, really cool, interesting ideas um, that, that he has regarding the, um, you know, members sharing playlists with each other and uh, uh, Zoom chats that we will we, we'll, we'll be exclusive to uh, subscribers only. So I, I think that um, will really make it worth uh, your while if you choose to subscribe to one of our, our tiers. Uh, we really want to make uh, just give you some real exclusive stuff that makes it worth, you know, investing in us but uh you know like like we said earlier anything anything you want to throw our way is much appreciated and and we'll continue to uh keep the show free as well on, on all other platforms but uh this just seemed like the next logical step for us after almost uh damn 150 episodes we are approaching soon um which is amazing we've might need to talk about uh, how we, we plan on celebrating that. So
1: I think a celebration is in order, no, no question, but uh, we'll get there. We'll come back uh, we'll come back to you on Thursday. Enjoy the next few days, my friend, and I will talk to you soon. Alright, take care my friend. Time has come